Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we're talking about the Hawks' 111 to 127 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers have a strong first quarter, especially from Furk and Korkmaz, and a big third quarter as they build a lead the Hawks are unable to dig out of. Without further ado, let's get into it. First time in this postseason, the Hawks find themselves down one game to two against the Philadelphia 76ers in the second round. And the Hawks came back to Atlanta with a split, having won the first game in Philly and losing that second game. And Atlanta State Farm Arena was ready to pop off, and the Hawks never really gave the fans any opportunity to do that. This first quarter was super slow. It was a low-scoring affair through the first half of the first quarter. And really, the Hawks' offense just never got in gear. The Hawks were getting good looks and just not converting them. And both teams had a turnover problem as they both had six turnovers in that first quarter. Ultimately, the Sixers would be able to get it together a little bit and win the first quarter 28-20. to And they never really looked back. The Hawks were able to outscore the 76ers in the second quarter 36-33. to But that would just cut into the lead three points to have a five-point deficit going into the second half. The third quarter would be a huge problem for the Hawks as they weren't able to generate any offense, only scoring 19 points. The Sixers would have a 15-2 run in the third quarter, and the Hawks, while it looks like they would eventually have a run to cut into this lead, would only get that run going in the fourth quarter with a 13-4 run. They got the Hawks within 13 with four minutes to go, but it really just wasn't enough. It was a little too little, too late as the Hawks were never really able to get into the game. To start this thing off, in the first quarter, the Hawks just shot the ball terribly. They shot 38% from the field, while the 76ers shot 58%. And honestly, that was a big difference in the game. The 76ers were able to get to the free throw line seven times, but they only made four of those free throws, while the Hawks were only able to get two free throws. And this is a game, one thing with the 76ers, that as we get to see the Hawks play against them again and again, um, it's just frustrating to have a team that want, talks about being so physical complain about every foul call and complain about every foul call on both sides of the ball. So it's not just complaining about, wow, you're calling it kind of ticky tacky on offense or you're calling an offense, you know, a defensive foul while the Sixers are calling, or Sixers are defending the Hawks. But also anytime any of the players on the 76ers get touched on the offensive side of the ball, they go down in a seeming flop matter. And it's like, if you're going to talk about being a physical team, play physical on both sides of the ball. But um, ultimately, that first quarter would be pretty decisive. Danny Green would get, leave the game with an injury and would not return. Um, in his stead, Furkan Korkmaz came in, and he played wonderfully. He came in, he hit a three-pointer, he then got to the free-throw line on a, a tough foul call at, at the three-point land and drained all three of those free-throws. And then he hit another ridiculous three-pointer when him and Joel Embiid had a little bit of miscommunication in the corner but they were able to get the ball to Furkan, and he drained it three. And his little outburst was very reminiscent of Shake Milton's outburst in Game 2. And it really provided a cushion for the 76ers going forward. The Hawks, nobody really got going. Again, they shot 38% in that first quarter, including just 33% from three-point land, two of six. And they never really got back on track. The Hulk, Hawks would ultimately shoot the ball 10 of 21, or... 6 of 23 from three-point land, 
compared to the 10 of 21 from the 76ers. And just that disparity right there, the Hawks need to be shooting the three three ball better than the 76ers if they're going to win some of these games. If you look at the rebounding, it was pretty even. Both teams had 36 rebounds. Uh, the Hawks had 11 offensive rebounds while the 76ers had 10. And while that looks super even, you have to remember the 76ers almost hit 60% of their shots. So when they're almost hitting 60% of the shots, to then rebound and get 10 offensive boards is huge for them. And they were able to keep a lot of uh, possessions alive on those second chance points, second chance opportunities, and convert on those. Um, a big area that the Hawks ultimately got outscored in was at from the bench. The 76ers beat the Hawks bench 48-32. to 32. 76ers got strong contributions from the aforementioned Firkin Korkmaz. Matisse Thibel had seven points. Dwight Howard came in and was four of five from the field and also four of five from the free throw line for 12 points. Shake Milson also chipped in with six to help all add up to that 48 points that really buried the Hawks when they didn't really have anyone going besides Danilo Gallinari. Um, for the Hawks, they just never really felt like they were in the game. Again, the first half of the first quarter, this was back and forth, but it was very much at the 76ers pace. And the Hawks are not going to win many games when they allow the Philly 76ers to dictate both on offense and defense. One of the areas I think that the Hawks can clean up a little bit is at the end of halves, at the end of quarters, when the 76ers are in bonus, just go ahead and foul Ben Simmons. There's no reason to mess around and try to get defensive possessions. It, uh, in that third quarter, Ben Simmons had a wonderful third quarter. He would score multi score double-digit points in that quarter. And there was multiple times when the Hawks could have just stopped the drives from Ben Simmons and sent him to the free throw line. Now, it would be a better free throw shooting night than usual for Ben Simmons. He was 4 of 8 from the, the stripe, but he would end the game with 18 points. And when Embiid didn't have one of his monster nights, he just scored 27 points, but they got a big contributions from Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Steph Curry. It's just too hard, too difficult for the Hawks to try to get a win if they do a good job on it, Joel Embiid, and do not stop those other players. So back to the point, the Hawks need to be smarter at the end of quarters, at the end of the halves. Frankly, any time the 76ers are in the bonus and Ben Simmons is on the court, if he is dribbling the ball for any amount of time, the Hawks have to be smart enough to send him to the line and force him to shoot free throws. But really tough game. It was just I, being in the crowd, it was an awesome crowd. There was a ton of fans there, and they were just waiting for any opportunity to cheer on the Hawks, and there was just not a lot going for them. Um, there weren't a lot of 76ers fans, but they were certainly excited to see their team playing so well. And the only other odd thing about this game was uh, Joel Embiid was very demonstrative toward the refs for the majority of the game from the first quarter onwards. And then Trey Young ultimately got a technical foul on this, on uh, kind of complaining to the ref about a foul call. And what he did was not even close to what Joel did, at least from my vantage point and re-watching the game. It just didn't even seem in the same scale of uh, go talking back to the refs. And he got hit with a technical foul while Joel went multiple times slamming the ball, going right at refs, questioning calls, and didn't have any, like, the refs didn't even say, like, hey, quiet down or anything like that. He was able to get away with it. But otherwise, you know, the free throws were pretty even. The Hawks were 27 of 32, while the 76ers were 25 of 39 from the charity stripe. And the fouling wasn't too 
disparate. There there kind of was even calls on both sides, but it just definitely felt like the 76ers were getting the more beneficial uh, whistle. If we go to the individual performances, Trey Young had another solid performance. He was 9 of 17 from the field, 3 of 6 on his three-pointers, uh, 7 of 8 from the free-throw line for 28 points. He only had three turnovers, but they were pretty costly in that first quarter. It felt like Trey could have been a little bit safer, or the Hawks as a team have just got to value the ball a little bit better because the 76ers want to get out in the fast break, and by having turnovers, it really allows them to do that. The 76ers would beat the Hawks in the fast break points 15-6, to and these live ball turnovers just really hurt the Hawks. This is what got Ben Simmons going. He's allowed to get into a transition where he is an elite all-NBA player, um, maybe one of the best players in transition in the NBA and just allows the 76ers to get some easy points. It allows Seth Curry to find places to get his shot off, and the Hawks just don't ha- cannot uh, afford to let the Sixers do that. So he did have two steals and four fouls. John Collins, I thought this was a nice game from JC. He started a little bit rocky, but finished the game 10 of 14 from the field. 0 of 2 on his three-pointers. You know what I'm going to say. JC, let it fly from three. If you have Dwight Howard on you, pull a three-pointer. They're daring you to shoot threes, and you're too good of a three-point shooter to to turn those down. And he was three of three from the free-throw line to finish with 23 points. He had seven rebounds, three of them offensive, three turnovers, and five fouls. It was really good to see JC basically make it through the entire game and to be kind of the Hawks' only thing working on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich continues to play the most minutes for the Hawks. He was 7 of 13, just 2 of 5 from three-point land. Bogdan has been averaging over 10 three-pointers a game, attempts a game, and to see him settle for just five is a little disconcerting, and that's certainly an area that the Hawks can improve. As I said earlier, the Hawks were just 6 of 23 from three, and they're a good three-point shooting team. They can't just settle for getting into mid-range or um, kind of foul hunting and trying to get into the paint. Well, you don't want to get dominated in the paint as the Sixers scored 66 points to the Hawks 58 there. The Hawks have an advantage shooting the three ball and they need to take advantage of that. Uh, Bogey would also have four rebounds, uh, four turnovers himself, one assist and three steals. Clint Capella had a rough night on the offensive side of the ball. I kind of thought it was his best night defensively, but on the offensive side of the ball, he was three of eight. Two of four on his free throws for eight points. He had 16 boards, six of those offensive, two assists, two steals, and just three fouls. Uh, Clint Capella, you're in there to play defense. Don't worry about fouling. It's nice that he can go through a whole game against Joel Embiid and only get three fouls. Um, And they did a better job on Joel Embiid, but uh, Embiid himself did a nice job of getting out of double teams and finding his teammates. But Clint Capella, it really takes momentum out of the sales of the Hawks when Trey throws up a lob and Capella misses the dunk or Capella is running on a fast break. He's doing exactly what you want him to do and he's unable to finish it, but really nice job on the defensive end. Uh, I'd like to see Clint Capella get maybe started a little bit earlier and just finish at the basket a little bit better. Finally, Solomon Hill started once again, Nate McMillan would change the lineup at halftime and insert Tony Snell in that position. I hope he goes away from both of those players and either puts Kevin Herter or Danilo Gallinari in that starting lineup. Snell and uh, Solomon Hill are just non-factors on the offensive side of the ball, and it allows 
the Sixers to hide Seth Curry on that end of the ball, playing defense. And one area I think the Hawks can do a much better job of is attacking Seth Curry. Seth Curry has been a strong weapon for the 76ers on the offensive side of the ball, but he is so slight and so small. On the other end, the Hawks need to find a way to attack him. And Solomon Hill and Tony Snell have not proven that they can do that so far. That's, again, another adjustment I expect to see Tony, uh, Nate McMillan do do something with the starting lineup, even if it is just inserting Tony Snell. But the Hawks have to do something to get out on a better start offensively as they did in game one. On the bench, Danilo Gallinari seems to have found his rhythm a little bit. He was four of eight, four of nine from the field, nine of nine on free throws for 17 points. He could not find the range from three point land. He was just 0 of four there. He had three rebounds, two fouls. He continues to be the one Hawk that really can get underneath the skin of the 76ers, whether Ben Simmons is fouling him in the backcourt or just his slow, methodical Euro step that is able to draw a foul on the offensive side. Again, it'll be interesting to see if he's elevated to the starting lineup because the Hawks have been unable to stop Tobias Harris. And I think by going big, as suggested by Glenn Willis on Twitter, that might be one way to neutralize Tobias Harris and help get the Hawks some offensive punch to start games. Lou Williams was just limited to 13 minutes. He was 3 of 7 from the field, made both of his free throws for 8 points. He had 1 rebound and 3 assists. Kevin Herter did not have it in his first game back at State Farm Arena. He was 1 of 6, just 1 of 5 from 3 for 3 points. He had an assist and 4 fouls. He got particularly frustrated with the foul calling. He had 2 pushes both at the end line that got the 76ers that much closer to the bonus and he argued pretty vociferously in both occasions that it wasn't a foul but he did not get that call from the officials um i imagine that he will play much better in game two finally tony snell played 12 minutes didn't make a shot didn't really make much of an impact and again i hope that nate mcmillan sort of goes away from solomon hill and tony snell although they've been great veterans and goes to Danilo Gallinari or um, Kevin Herter going forward. For the 76ers, it always starts with Joel Embiid. I thought Embiid had some very scary falls at the end of this game. Um, sort of when the 76ers had it out of reach, they were up 20 with about seven minutes to go. The Hawks were able to cut into that lead and get it down to 13, but I didn't really understand needing Joel Embiid in the game, but he had a couple of tough falls including one where he went up for a capella pump fake and capella went completely through him and joel just hit the floor with a super loud thud and it was kind of scary seeing him but he got up both occasions and was able to to play the rest of the game but he finished the game 7 of 14 but 12 of 16 from the free throw line for 27 points he had nine rebounds one of them offensive eight assists when Joel Embiid is able to see the double team coming, he is large enough to find the right offensive player, and he was diming up his teammates. Um, the Hawks are still going to have to find a way of neutralizing not only his scoring, but his passing ability, and he can continues to be the number one uh, obstacle for the Hawks facing this 76ers team. Tobias Harris had another good night shooting. He was 10 of 16, 1 of 1 from the three-point line, strangely 1 of 3 from the free-throw line for 22 points. He had eight rebounds, five assists, four fouls. Ben Simmons, 7-11 from the field, four of eight from the free throw line for 18 points. That 7 of 11 is totally unacceptable. The Hawks cannot let Ben Simmons get over double digits attempts. Anytime he's around the basket and looks like he's going to try to score, 
dog should foul him. And at end of, end of quarters and end of halves, if the 76ers are in the bonus, the Hawks need to foul him whenever he has the ball in their hands and just get that player off the court. If he is unable to hit his free throws, he's going to force Doc Rivers to take him off the court, and that gets one of the stronger defenders for the 76ers off the court. But 18 points, he had four rebounds, two of those offensive, seven assists, five fouls. The Hawks did a nice job of kind of attacking Ben Simmons um, and getting him into a little bit of foul trouble, but they need to be more aggressive on fouling him on the other side of the ball. Finally, Seth Curry was 5 of 10, 2 of 5 on his three-pointers. He had four rebounds, two assists, two steals. He continues to be someone who the Hawks can lose track of strangely. There was one in particular where Bogdan is kind of going to double Ben Simmons in the post, and Simmons just throws a really nice pass to the corner to Seth Curry, who drains the three ball, and that just can't happen. That's a breakdown that can't happen in the playoffs. You follow this team too closely. Your game plan focuses, I'm sure, on saying, do not leave Seth Curry. You can leave the rest of these shooters. Okay, maybe Furkan Korkmaz can come in, and you might have to defend him very closely at the three-point line. But Seth Curry, I'm sure, is highlighted, circled in red, do not leave a Curry open at the three-point line. And he hurt the Hawks. On the bench, we talked about the scoring off the bench, but Furkan Korkmaz was four of nine, three of six. Kind of all of that happening in the first half. He did a nice job of hitting those threes early and then being able to go into the paint and kind of hit his herky-jerky uh, layups. He was had nine, uh, no, he had one assist, two steals, and he was a game high plus 24. Just another huge game for a player off the 76ers bench, and credit goes to Doc Rivers for playing him as long as he did after Danny Green went out. Dwight Howard, again, had those 12 points, six boards, and one foul. If Dwight Howard's going to play extended minutes, the Hawks have to win the minutes when that happens. They have to find a way to out-rebound him and then really take advantage of him being on the floor. I distinctly remember when Dwight Howard was on the Hawks and John Wall almost single-handedly won a series by following Dwight Howard amble down the court and just get a layup around that. I don't know if the Hawks can take advantage of him that much, but they need to do a much better job of getting the big man in some actions and really taking it to him. Um, When Embiid's off the court, the Hawks have to find ways to win those minutes. And a big part of that comes with Dwight Howard is on the court. Finally, Shake Milton did not, was not able to replicate his just in fuego moment in game two. He was just two of three from the field, one of two from three point land, one of two from the free throw line for six points. Super disappointing that the Hawks aren't able to hold on to home court and that they lose his first one, but now they have to try to even the series on Monday night as they face the 76ers again. Some easy adjustments I see for the Hawks, changing that, shuffling that starting lineup a little bit, maybe putting in either Gallo or Kevin Herter, and then really focusing on Ben Simmons' minutes. And when the 76ers are in the bonus, you got to foul the Australian and send them to the free throw line and make them earn their offense. Uh, One of the things for the Hawks is that They haven't run through all of the adjustments that they can make, and a lot of these problems will just go away if they just hit some shots. I'm not asking them to hit them at any ridiculous rate or any rate that is abnormal for the Hawks, but to shoot 38% in a quarter is just not going to get it done, especially against a defensive team that wants to get out ahead and be a front runner like the 76ers. If the Hawks are able to put a pressure on this team and force them to be hitting shots under pressure instead of just hitting shots to extend the lead, I think that'll go a long way to help the Hawks Uh, get back into the series but tough loss in game three hopefully the hawks are able to come back and get game four and tie the series at 2-2 go hawks
Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks!